Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. In the United States and in the various time zones around the world where it is the morning. And welcome to anyone around the world in any time zone. My name is Kennard Brown, uh, Kennard Levi Brown, or Levy Brown. I'm your host for the Merciful Service of God biblical instructional program. This program has been on the air since uh, the latter part of 2007. And for those who are listening to me for the first time, let me tell you the purpose of this program. The purpose of this program is for people who aren't know-it-alls, who understand they need to be fed spiritually, who understand that they need to come out of the worldly system, which I'm going to explain in a simple way today what we need to come out of, because uh, Babylon means, in the Hebrew, confusion. We need to come out of it spiritually, mentally, and physically. We need to come out of fusion, because if we don't, it's going to be very difficult for us to enter the spiritual realm of the kingdom of God. But before I get into that, let's explain or let the Bible anyway explain the type of attitude that we must have to understand his words. Uh, Matthew chapter 18. Let's go to Matthew chapter 18, starting in verse 1. At the same time came the t- disciples in Hebrew, that's uh, Talmudim, unto Jesus. Uh, Jesus' Hebrew name is Yeshua, saying, Who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And in verse 2, And Yeshua called a little child unto him and set him in the middle or midst of them, and in verse 3, and said, Verily I say unto you, except ye be converted. What does converted mean in the Greek? Converted mean in the Greek means stressful. That's what it means in the Greek. And it means to twist, to reverse, to come back again, except ye be converted and become as little children, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. And the kingdom of heaven has everything to do with salvation because Yeshua said it himself. Uh, actually, his one of his greatest servants, Shaul or Paul, Shaul is Paul in Hebrew, stated in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 the following. And this is a scripture that you should never forget so that you understand that salvation and the kingdom of God is linked. Verse 50, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of Yah, 
or God. Yah is God in Hebrew, shortened. Neither does corruption inherit incorruption. And so you have to be incorruptible to be involved in the kingdom of Yah, to inherit it. The one of First Corinthians chapter 15. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. Verse 52, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. That means exactly what it's saying. The last trump, the seventh trump in the book of Revelation. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. And verse 53, for this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So if you have to put it on, you don't have it yet. We as human beings do not have immortality yet, but we will. We will in the future. Verse 54, so when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? In verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the Torah, which is what law means in Hebrew. Torah is the instructions and the doctrines of Yah is this entire Bible, 66 books. That's what it is, ladies and gentlemen. And so the Bible reveals that no human being has immortality. It is, it is revealed here in 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let's turn to 1 Timothy chapter 6, starting in verse 15, which in his times he shall show who is the blessed and only Pontetet, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Verse 16, who only has immortality. So who, who only has immortality? Actually two beings, the Father and the Son, right? who only have immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, whom no man has seen nor can see, to whom be honor and power everlasting. Amen. All right? So, no human being right now has immortality other than Yeshua Messiah. That's what that scripture reveals to you. So don't let anyone tell you otherwise, because the Bible is the infallible word of God. Getting back to Matthew chapter 18 again, so we understand this. In verse 4, Matthew 18, verse 4, Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as his little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom of Yah. All right? So, in verse 5, it says, Whosoever shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. And here's a warning in verse 6. But whosoever shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, it were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he was drowned in the depth of the sea. So be careful about talking about me or some other believer that is doing the best they can to obey the true God of the Bible. All right, so let's take a look of world news. Find out what's going on in this wacky world of ours. We need to to watch and pray that we'll be accounted worthy to escape all these things. Escape means to not have to endure the tribulation, whether you die before it or God miraculously protects you. I'm going to 
watch.org, W-A-T-C-H.org, uh, World Watch Daily, Koenig International News. States here, the foreign ministry said to propose the EU force in Gaza. Two weeks ago, the foreign ministry proposed to the Israeli cabinet a plan for stationing foreign troops in the Gaza Strip to monitor rebuilding and demilitarization efforts in the wake of the war there this summer, Haratz reported Sunday. Haratz is a popular uh, online uh, news source that's Israeli-based. According to the report, the forces would be empowered to confiscate weapons and contraband materials to ensure that Hamas will not be able to rearm itself. Israel has demanded that Hamas be disarmed if it is to ease long-standing restrictions to the Strip and entertain the prospect of a seaport and airport in Gaza. Hamas, meanwhile, has vehement legalization. Now, Kerry discusses IS with Arab League chief. Secretary of State John Kerry discussed Saturday the Islamic State threat with the head of the Arab League ahead of the group's next round of discussions. The Arab League is due to hold a ministerial meeting in Cairo, that's the capital of Egypt, <coughs> on Sunday to address fast-moving charges in the region. Kerry and Arab League Chief Nabil El-Arab, I quote, discussed the need for the Arab League and its members to take strong position in the coalition that is developing against ISIL, end of quote. A senior State Department official said, using one of the acronyms by which the Islamic State is known. Abbas threatens to break partnership with Hamas. <coughs> now this is, <coughs> excuse me, this is major. PA president. Decisions of war and peace must be decided by one Palestinian government. Khaled Mashal won't accept this condition. My patience with Israel, U.S., and Hamas has expired. Says the rift between Fatah and Hamas, which are two Muslim uh, factions, uh, which developed over the course of Operation Protective Edge, continued to widen Saturday where President Mahmoud Abbas spoke to Egyptian reporters, threatening to break their current partnership if the organization in Gaza doesn't begin to make some changes. I quote, if Hamas won't accept a Palestinian state with one government, one law, and one weapon, then there won't be any partnership with us. I End of quote. And this is from, the quote is from Abbas. I quote again from Abbas. This is our condition, and we won't back away from it, end of quote. Israel preparing for a very violent war. Excuse me. Let me drink some water here. Be right back. Israel preparing for a very violent war against Hezbollah, TV report says. And then I'm just going to read. I can't read all these. There's a lot. Herzog meets Abbas' cause for resumption of Israeli-Palestinian talks. Again. This is, okay, Obama states here. Let me read this headline. It says, Obama toughens tone, vows to defeat and dismantle Islamic State. And we have one messianic leader. I'm not going to name his name. He says we should go to war against them. Well, yeah, that's going to be up to God whether or not that's going to happen. God controls events, as we're going to see today uh, in the book of Daniel. U.S. mulls more steps in response to Israel's land grab in the West Bank. Um this is uh, here. Here's another one. It says Hamas Mashal agreed in Doha meeting with Abbas to Palestinian state within 1967 borders. So again, folks, things are heating up in the Middle East. If we turn to Zechariah chapter 12, we know that things will begin there and end there. Zechariah 12 verse 1: The burden of the Lord, of the, uh, the, the word, the burden of the Lord, the burden of the word of the Lord for Israel says the Lord, which stretch forth the heavens and lay up the foundation of earth and form of the spirit of man within him so 
this is another Bible study on this program, but the Bible says that we do have a spirit in us. Verse 2, Behold, I will make Jerusalem or Jerusalem a cup of trembling unto all the people round about when they shall be in the siege. What is the siege in Hebrew? The siege in Hebrew is mastor, and it means hemming around, distress. And so when there's a dispute round about, when they shall be in the siege, both against Judah and against Jerusalem, whenever that phraseology is used, it's, it's talking about the Jews, and also the capital of the tribes is Jerusalem. So it's talking about the rest of the tribes. It's talking about all the twelve tribes, Judah and against Jerusalem. Verse 3, And in that day will I make Jerusalem a burdensome stone for all people. So for all people, that proves what I just said there, uh, including people in the world as well. But that, that one statement, all that burden themselves with it shall be cut in pieces. And that means literally uh, cut in pieces. You'll be totally wiped out and destroyed. Though all the people of the earth be gathered against it. You know, uh, and that's the problem that we're having. And here's a prophecy in the book of Judges. Yes, there is prophecy in the book of Judges. Judges chapter 2, starting in verse 1. And an angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bochum. And said, I made you to go up out of Egypt, and have brought you into the land which I swore unto your fathers, and I have said, I will never break my agreement or covenant with you. Verse 2, and you shall make no league. And what are they trying to do right now? Make an agreement. The, the, God tells the Jews right now, <laughs> this is a now prophecy. The prophecy was, was certainly fulfilled back then, but prophecy is dual. And you shall make no league with the inhabitants of this land. You shall throw down their altars. They haven't done that. The Muslims have their their mosque and, and, and other things there. But you have not obeyed my voice. Why have you done this? Verse 3, Wherefore I also said, I will not drive them out from before you, but they shall be as thorns in your sides, and their God shall be a snare unto you. Yes. And then verse 4, And it came to pass, when the angel of the Lord spake these words unto all the children of Israel, that the people lifted up their voice and wept. And they are weeping today. They're going to agony, going through pain, because they don't want to do what the Lord has commanded them to do in this Bible. And it will continue on until they repent. Plain and simple as that. As the prophet... Jeremiah has stated plainly, Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 7, concerning a nation and concerning a kingdom to pluck up and to pull down and to destroy it. If that nation against whom I have pronounced turn from their evil, repent, due to Shuvah in Hebrew, I will repent of or change of, because God can't repent, I mean, he doesn't sin. I will change of the evil that I thought to do unto them. Plain and simple as that, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's look at domestic news right now. Well, the Ebola virus, let me give you an update on that, because there needs to be some updates on it. Um, all right, so it says many in West Africa may be immune to the Ebola. That's good news. Uh, and I did hear that it was uh, possibly spreading. Hopefully I'm wrong about that assessment. Let's see. Oops. Typing in uh, CNN here. News. Get the latest news on it. On the Internet. <clears throat> uh, 
Uh, here's the fast facts about Ebola on CNN website. Well, it's still out there right now. That that's that's the key uh, about the Ebola virus. And uh, let me just uh, type in the uh, website here about the status of the virus here. Okay, so the Ebola virus here. What is the? Uh, I'm trying to look at the ranking of the virus right now from the World Health Organization website. That's WHO.com. <clears throat> but the, the the key is that it's still it's still out there, ladies and gentlemen, the virus and. Uh, we need to be attentive of it and uh, not take it lightly. And uh, oh, here we go. Um, here's the, the World Health Organization, and it says the Ebola virus disease it has a actually it has a complete website on it. So I suggest you go to this website and uh, you take a look at it and uh, be aware of what's going on. And. Uh, there's a global alert and response to this virus, and this virus may spread. And so, uh, because Yeshua, what did he state? That there would be famines. In Matthew chapter 24, uh, this is in the context of the end times, and he stated in Matthew 24, verse 7, for nation shall rise against nation, that, that should mean, uh, that is in the Greek, that means a tribe, so families shall rise up against families. I don't know how that was translated nation, but... Uh, and then kingdom against kingdom. And that, of course, means governments and, and countries. And there shall be famines and pestilences. Because when, when you have a lack of food, a lack of nutrition, what do you have next? You have pestilences. Then earthquakes in, in, in various places around the world. And he said these are the beginning of sorrows. And so we need to be very careful uh, of these things and prepare accordingly. Um, our government agency, FEMA, tells us to do these things anyway for any catastrophe. Of course, so much more so for the Great Tribulation, which possibly could begin this century. All right, so let's look at uh, domestic news here. I live in the United States, so for the benefit of my uh, <laughs> listeners here in the United States, each and every week I do go over some domestic news, and I use a, an excellent website that I'm hoping to advertise soon on to, to spread, um, to get more people to listen to this program, people that are looking for the truth and are searching for the truth. The economic blog, the economic collapse blog, dot com. Okay, so what we need to do is... Uh, for those who have access to their PCs, you can go to economic, the economiccollapseblog.com, the economiccollapseblog.com, and he states on this blog, "Are you prepared for the coming economic collapse in the next Great Depression?" I can tell you definitively that most people aren't. And he has interesting things here about gold coins, silver coins, emergency food, etc. Now, his newest headline here is: "Most people don't believe it, but we are right on schedule for the next financial crash." Let me read what he says here. People have such short memories, even though we are repeating so many of the same patterns that we witnessed in 2000, 2001, and 2007, 2008. Most people do not think that another financial crash is coming, of course. People don't think this and people don't think that. And then when it happens, then they're like, oh, you know, 
In fact, with the stock market setting record high after record high lately, I've been taking quite a bit of criticism for my relentless warnings about the coming financial storm. Many of the comments go something like this. Snyder, you are a moron. Uh, quote, Snyder, you are a moron. Nothing you say ever comes true. The stock market is going to keep on rocking. Obama's going to lead this country back to greatness. I mean, that's, that's from the mind of somebody that's not thinking straight to even say that. But anyway, I hope that you choke on all of your doom and gloom. Well, I guess you're calling the Bible doom and gloom because it prophesied that these things would occur, folks. Of course, these critics never offer any hard evidence that I've been wrong about anything. True. They just assume that since the stock market has soared to unprecedented heights, that all of us bears must have been wrong. And they don't understand the economy. They don't understand that whenever the stock market goes up, that's bad news for us. So um, 16 apocalyptic quotes from global health officials about this, this horrific Ebola epidemic. <clears throat> Ebola continues to spread, so this is national and, 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 and um, worldwide here. Ebola continues to spread at an exponential rate. According to the World Health Organization, 40% of all Ebola cases have happened in just the last three weeks. Let me underscore and highlight that, folks. 40% of all Ebola cases have happened in just the last three weeks. So, this pestilence is increasing around the world, folks. The official Numbers tell us that approximately 3,500 people have gotten the virus in Africa, and more than 1,900 people have died. That is quite alarming, but the real problem will arise if the disease continues to spread at an exponential pace. One team of researchers has used computer modeling to project that the number of Ebola cases will reach 10,000 by September 24th. And if that's true, well, we've got to look out. If current trends continue, and if the spread of Ebola does not slow down, we could be dealing with 100,000 cases by December. Boy, that's, that, that would be something if that happened. Even the WHO is admitting that the number of cases is likely to grow to 20,000 before too much longer. And global health officials are now starting to use apocalyptic language to describe this outbreak. So I would certainly highly recommend that you read this article. It says, the seven-year cycle of economic crashes that everyone is talking about says, large numbers of people believe that an economic crash is coming next year based on a seven-year cycle of economic crashes that goes all the way back to the Great Depression. What I'm about to share with you is very controversial. Some of you will love it, and some of you will think that it is utter rubbish. I will just present this information and let you decide for yourself what you want to think about it. In my previous article entitled, If Economic Cycle Theorists Are Correct, 2015 to 2020, will be the pure hell for the United States. Let me underscore that, and let's prepare, just in case this is true. It says, if economic cycle theorists are correct, if they are correct, 2015 to 2020 will be pure hell for the United States. I discussed many of the economic cycle theories that all seem to agree that we are on the verge of major economic downturn in this country. But there is an economic cycle that I did not mention in that article that a lot of people are talking about right now. And if this cycle holds up once again in 2015, it will be really bad news for the U.S. economy. Wall Street admits that a cyber attack could crash our banking system at any time. The road to World War III. Russia and Ukraine are now engaged in a shooting war. 
So, folks, let me read this here, and then I'm going to get to the uh, the main segment of the program here about Russia, because most people are, you know, they're getting ready to look at their football games today. <laughs> and, you know, I, I really understand the distraction of sports, the distraction of entertainment, and there's nothing wrong with a little entertainment, nothing wrong with sports, but you can't let that cloud your mind so much that you are not facing reality. You can't do that, ladies and gentlemen. So anyway, Russian soldiers and Ukrainian soldiers are now shooting at each other in eastern Ukraine. Could this conflict ultimately lead us down the war to World War III? Possible. Let me continue to read. This week, a very robust force of, I quote, tanks, artillery, and infantry, end of quote, has opened up, I quote, third front, end of quote, in the Ukrainian civil war in a part of southeastern Ukraine that had not seen much fighting yet. Exhausted Ukrainian force are suddenly being pushed back rapidly, and many outsiders are wondering how the nearly defeated rebels were able to muster such impressive military strength all of a sudden. But it really isn't much of a mystery. The tanks, artillery, and infantry came from inside Russia. In recent days, Ukrainian units have captured 10 Russian paratroopers, and there have been there have even been funerals for Russian paratroopers that have been killed in action back home in Russia, even though it has been become exceedingly obvious that Russia is now conducting a stealth invasion of Ukraine. Vladimir Putin is still choosing to deny it. But if he did publicly admit it, that would even be more dangerous. Barack Obama would be forced into a position of either having to do something about the Russian invasion or look weak in the eyes of the public. And as the Russians have already known, they are more than willing to watch or they are more than willing to match any move that the Obama administration makes. So we need to keep keep a real keen eye on what's going on. Here's another headline. Ebola among health workers, <clears throat> more than 240 sick, more than 120 dead. Why the earthquake near San Francisco is just the start of shaking in California? Oh, let me read this. He has some real good stuff. He's a watcher, I have to admit. He is certainly a watcher, and he certainly helps my job of watching as well. Very, very good website. Struck Northern California on Sunday with something. Just wait until you see what is coming in the years ahead. As you will read about below, we live at a time when earthquake activity is dramatically increasing. What did Yeshua say? That there would be earthquakes around the world. This is a sign of the times. This is especially true of the Ring of Fire, which runs roughly along the outer perimeter of the Pacific Ocean. Approximately 81% of all the big earthquakes occur along the Ring of Fire, and the entire west coast of the United States falls within that danger zone. Over the past few years, we have seen huge earthquake after huge earthquake strike various areas along the Ring of Fire. But up until now, the California coastline has been mostly spared. However, there are indications that this may be about to change in a big way. So, again, all this is just fulfilling what the greatest prophet who ever lived stated in Matthew 24, verse 7. For nation or families shall rise against families or tribes and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in various places. And he stated the horrifying thing about this is that in Matthew 24, verse 8, he says all these are just the, what, the beginning of sorrows. Just the beginning. Just the beginning of sorrows. And so let's understand that. Now, Revelation 18, verse 4 says the following, folks. 
It says, And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people. So let's understand this verse. The Lord is telling his people to come out of her. Come out of what? Out of Babylon. That you be not partakers of her sins. So it says that whatever Babylon is, that Babylon sins. And that you receive not of her plagues. You don't receive any of her plagues. So whatever Babylon is, it's sinning, and it has plagues, or will receive plagues because of sinning. And so what is this system, ladies and gentlemen? We need to understand what this system is. And I'm going to explain this system in a simple way. I can go into further detail, and I'm going to write some articles to to help you understand what Babylon is. But the purpose of this program is to give you a general idea of Babylon quickly in the next 15 minutes. <laughs> so in Genesis, Genesis chapter 11, verse 1, and the whole earth was of one language and of one speech. And in verse 2, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar. And they dwelt there. And they, this is what happened after the flood. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach into heaven. And let us make us a name that not we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. Verse 5, And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And this is the reason why he scattered their language. And he meant what he said. Let me, let me read this again in verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. One in Hebrew is ehad. Okay? And they have all Ehad language, or one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. So it's capable for man potentially to do anything on the physical plane. That's what he's saying. And so <clears throat> what do you think would have happened if he would have allowed them to imagine at will and, and, and produce what they were imagining? Well, they would obviously would have created a nuclear bomb back then, and he was not ready for that to occur, ladies and gentlemen. He was not ready for that to occur. And now the nuclear bomb was detonated August 6, 1945 on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That began a nuclear age. Harriet Truman stated that, that we have tapped into the power of the universe. And so he's not restraining man anymore. Now man can fulfill the scripture. tells you that we're in the end time. Matthew chapter 24. Now mankind can fulfill the scripture uh, where it states the following about our capability. Matthew 24 verse 22. And except those days should be shortened, there should no flesh be saved. 
But for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. I think in 1952, we were able to uh, destroy every man and woman and child off this earth because we developed a thermonuclear bomb. And so ever since 1952, we have had the capability to destroy every man and woman and child off this planet. The genesis of that, though, began in 1945. So we have been living in nuclear bomb times or destruction of mankind times ever since 1952. So I just want to clarify that. There's some new understanding that I've acquired. I was saying 1945, but 1952 is when we really had the capability of uh, destroying all of mankind. All right, so we've been living in uh, destructive, the the, uh, era of the destruction of mankind ever since 1952, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to clarify that. And the Tower of Babel, Babel means confusion in Hebrew, Babylon. And so this system that we are a part of, uh, the book of Daniel tells you basically where it came from. And I'm just going to just briefly go over the the prophecy uh, in the remaining um, ten minutes here. Daniel chapter 2. and why you need to come out of it. Daniel chapter 2. And he states here, um, Daniel 2 verse 28, says, But there is a God in heaven that reveals secret and make known to the king Nebuchadnezzar what shall be in the latter days. Thy dream and the visions of thy head upon thy bed are these. As for thee, O king, thy thoughts came into thy mind upon the bed that should come to pass hereof, and he that reveals secrets makes known to me what shall come to pass. All right, so he's talking about um, that God is responsible uh, for revealing revealing um, this knowledge to him. And then Daniel chapter 2, 20, Daniel answered and said, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his, in verse 21. And he changes the times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. So he's responsible for Obama being becoming the president, based on the scripture. He gives wisdom unto the wise and knowledge of them that know of understanding. He revealed the deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. Okay, so... Let's understand this statue here that that most people don't understand here. All right, so Daniel 2, verse 31. Thou, O king, sawest, and behold, a great image, this great image, whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was tra- uh, terrible. I may go over, go over uh, the remaining minutes I have to, to really clarify what this statue is. So if I do that, um, the rest of the message will be in the archives. Please listen to the entirety of the message. I just want to make sure I, I explain this accurately here. Verse 31, Thou, O King Saulus, and behold a great image, that great image whose brightness was excellent, stood before thee, and the form thereof was terrible. Verse 32, This image head was of fine gold, his breast and his arms of the silver, his belly and thighs of brass, his legs of iron, his feet part of iron and part of clay. Verse 34, Thou sawest to that a stone was cut out without hands, which smote the image upon the feet that were of iron and clay. Then was the iron and clay and brass, the silver and the gold, broken to pieces together and became like the shaft of the summer, 
threshing floors, and the wind carried them away, and that no place was found for them, and stone that smote the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This is the dream, and we will tell the interpretation before the king. And he says, Thou, O king, or king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom and power and strength, and whosoever the children of men dwell, the beasts. So anyway, let me just go over the 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 um, the head of the statue was King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Thou, O king, art king of kings, for the God of heaven has given thee a kingdom of power and strength and glory, and whosoever the children of men dwell, the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, that he has given into thy hand. And he says, Thou art this head of gold. So we know the Bible interpretation, he's the head of gold, and, and gold is money. <laughs> okay. So uh, let's understand it. Then silver is money. Brass is money, too. All right, so the statue has uh, a lot to do with our currency and how it was has been devalued throughout the years. Verse 39, And after thee shall arise another kingdom inferior to thee, and another third kingdom of brass, which shall rule over all the earth. Verse 40, And the fourth kingdom shall be strong as iron, and so much as iron breaketh in pieces, and subdue all things. And iron that breaketh all these, it shall break into pieces. So the... Uh, first part of the statue, the head, is the king of Babylon. It represents Babylon. The second is silver. It represents the Medo-Persians. The third is Greece, which is the kingdom of brass. And the fourth kingdom is, is Rome. You know, most biblical historians understand that. But what they don't understand is that also the value of money is decreasing in each section. And so it has something to do geopolitically with the world, but also with the value of the currency. And right now, currency is, uh, many people have been talking about this, Gerald Salente and other people, that we have, uh, we're printing money out of thin air. Fiat money. Fiat money. And that's what we're doing right now, as I'm speaking. We've been doing that for a while. So, uh, verse 41. Now, where is thou sawest the feet? Until it's part of potter's clay and part of iron, the kingdom shall be divided, but there shall be in it the strength of the iron, for as much as thou sawest the iron mixed with miry clay. And then in verse 44, In the days of these kings shall the God of heaven set up a kingdom which shall never be destroyed, and the kingdom shall not be left to other people, but it shall break in pieces and consume all these kingdoms, and it shall stand forever. All right, so when the Bible says come out of Babylon, we've got to come out of the geopolitical system, the educational system, the religious system and also the money system. We have to get we have to get out of all three of those: the religious system, the, the uh, educational system, the um, also the monetary system. So that's what this statute really represents, ladies and gentlemen. Now, let me explain to you quickly how to come out of this this monetary system this educational system, this false monetary system, which, you know, the Bible reveals money really is silver and gold. That's that's money. Um, not the little piece of paper that's called a, a bill. It says a dollar bill. That's not money. And this has been preached by quite a few, well, a few people anyway, Gerald Salente and, and other folks. Um, and also, how do we get out of this false religious system and, and, and false educational system? Well, Number one, you should seek to homeschool your children or, if you can, send them to a school that teaches that 
the law of Moses is not done away, some Hebraic school, um, in particular that embraces uh, the fact that Jesus is a Jew and that we need to understand the Bible um, with understanding the correct teachings of the Jews and, and how they correctly interpret the Bible. To get out of the monetary system, uh, Ezekiel 18, verse 13 states plainly that interest is an abomination. Uh, in Romans 13, verse 8, it states that you should owe no man anything. We should not get loans at all. Uh, it's, it's, we, we shouldn't even do that. We should not be in debt. There's a way to get a loan, but it's done through um, you pledging collateral. And I'll go into detail with that in another program sometime in the future. But anyway, uh, we need to stay away from using credit cards. Uh, we should. We just need to get out of this system. And um, email me. I can explain how you can get out of this system totally. And we have to do the best we can to do it. It's going to be a, a slow process, but you, we got to really come out of Babylon in three major ways, monetarily, uh, educationally, and religiously, we need to just come out of Babylon in those three ways. Um, because this world has been deceived. Revelation 12, verse 9, and, and all of us have tasted or drunk the wine of her fornication. And, and that's in uh, Revelation chapter 17. Reve Revelation chapter 17. Revelation chapter 17, starting in verse 3. So he carried me away. Well, actually, no. Uh, yeah, verse 2. Revelation 17, verse 2, with whom the kings of the earth has committed fornication and the inhabitants of the earth has been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so if you don't want to be involved in that, folks, you, may, you must come out of Babylon. And I'm going to, uh, I'm going to probably take another five or ten minutes to explain biblically what we must do to come out of Babylon, ladies and gentlemen. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 6 is a good scripture to understand. Verse 14, 2 Corinthians uh, 6, verse 14, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbeliever. An unbeliever is someone that doesn't believe all the scriptures of the Bible. They don't believe in keeping the Sabbath. They, they think that you're a Judaizer if you do that and, and keep the holy days when Yeshua did that. For what fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion have light with darkness? So, the false religion of this world, primarily uh, uh, with Christianity, uh, they, they teach that the law of Moses is the death of the cross. So, of course, uh, uh, the Jews teach incorrectly that Yeshua is not the Messiah. The Muslims, they teach that the prophet uh, Muhammad is greater than Yeshua. Uh, Buddha, well, it's, that, that's another religion that is certainly not the true religion based on the Bible. And so in verse 15, it says, What concord has Messiah with Belial, or what part has he that believed with an infidel? In verse 16, 2 Corinthians chapter 6, it states the following, And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So he's calling the people of God the temple of God, and he's calling people who aren't of the temple of God, the true believers. He's calling the false believers idols. That's what he's doing. I know this is a tough scripture, but that's what it's implying. It says, For ye are the temple of the living God, and as God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. 
Verse 17, and what does he command us to do? Wherefore, come out from among them. Come out from among them. And be ye separate, says the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And you and, and will be a father unto you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. So we have to come out of them. We have to separate ourselves from this world, ladies and gentlemen. In First John chapter 2, it states the following. It says in verse 15 of First John chapter 2, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Do you understand that? If you love this world, you love the football games, love entertainment so much that you forget about him, the Father is not in you. Verse 16, For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father but is of the world. And so if you want the Father's essence in you <laughs> through the Holy Spirit, you can't love those things. You you can't uh, focus on those things so much. You know, it has yes, yeah, it's the Greek word agape, which is the strongest love. You can't have the strongest love for the world. Your strongest love for she, should be for God. Verse 16, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the world. I mean, it's not of the Father. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And here's one of the most important things to understand, verse 17, And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that does the will of God abides forever. So there's a lot of lust in the world. You have to come out of it educationally, religiously, all right, and, and, and physically <laughs> come out of it too. So, so you, but you, you have to come out of it certainly religiously, educationally, and monetarily. That's what you have to do. And realize, the little, um, even though it is valued as money, it's not really money. Paper that we get that has a bill on it, it's, it's, it's a debt. And so it has really no value in God's eyes. In the world's eyes, of course, it does. Okay, so, We must come out of this world, ladies and gentlemen, and realize that coming out of this world is not going to be too many people before the start of the tribulation doing that. Uh, verse 13, Enter ye in the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in. Verse 14, Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leads into life, and few, few means puny in the Greek, there be that find it. Few, very few. Very few will find the true way of life. Of course, when the tribulation begins, Isaiah 26, verse 9 will be fulfilled. When your judgments are on the earth, then the people will learn righteousness. And then Revelation chapter 7 reveals a great multitude coming out of the tribulation. I like to call it great spanking because that's how you spank adults. You take their food away, you cause them to suffer, and, and they wake up. And that's what will happen. And I, God is calling you now so that you can avoid a lot of that suffering if you take heed to what he's saying and realize that we've all been deceived and we've inherited lies from our fathers and that we need to repent of that and we need to come out of this world monetarily, educationally, and religiously. Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah chapter 16. Jeremiah chapter 16, starting in verse 19. O Lord, my strength and my fortress and my refuge in a day of affliction... The Gentiles shall come 
unto thee from the ends of the earth, and shall say, Surely our fathers have inherited lies and vanity and things where there is no profit. Verse 20, Shall a man make gods unto himself, and there are no gods? Therefore, behold, I will this once cause them to know, I will cause them to know my hand and my might, and they shall know that my name is Jehovah, or Yahweh, Yahweh. So, ladies and gentlemen, if you desire truly to come out of Babylon, I can help you do so. Please email me at canard at mercifulserviceofgod.com. And I will do the best I can to help you come out of this world and so that you can come into the spiritual dimension and realm of the kingdom of Yah. So you can be there spiritually. One day we'll actually be in his spiritual realm with a glorified spiritual body. Until next week, may God bless and keep you. And God willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom.